My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It is Friday the 16th of September. Happy birthday! (laughs) It is Billy's birthday. She's joining us bright and early. Thank you so much. Couldn't think of a better place to spend it. And today is a cracker episode. Australia's first ever uterus transplant trial is set to take place in 2023. In today's deep dive, we're going to be speaking to Kirsty, who's hoping to receive a uterus donation from her own mother. I will grow my child in the same uterus that I was grown in. But first, Billy, what is making headlines this morning? Unemployment rose to 3.5% in August, according to the latest data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. The figure has increased by 0.1 percentage points since July, while underemployment, which measures people who did not work as much as they wanted to, decreased slightly to 5.9%. The Federal Emergency Management Minister has warned the risk of flooding on Australia's east coast is very high going into a third La Nina weather event. Murray Watt told the ABC that areas in New South Wales and Queensland that have already experienced flooding in recent years are likely to face more extreme weather. The Coral Princess cruise ship docked in Port Melbourne yesterday, and that's newsworthy because it is the first time in over two years that a major cruise ship carrying passengers has arrived in Melbourne. Almost 2,500 tourists were aboard the cruise ship, with Victorian Tourism Minister Steve Demopoulos calling it an important milestone for the state's COVID-19 recovery efforts. And today's good news, the founder of outdoor clothing company Patagonia has announced that he's given away almost all of his company to aid in the fight against climate change. Yvonne Chouinard said in an open letter that his company was going purpose instead of going public, with 98% of ownership to be transferred to an environmental non-profit. The first uterus transplants are set to take place in Australia. Zara, I have to admit, this is not a topic I know a lot about, and it sounds like something kind of out of science fiction. It does, and it is so fascinating to me. So when I first heard it was happening in Australia, I was, like you, incredibly curious and did some research. And it turns out that there have been successful trials of this kind overseas. It was pioneered by a Swedish gynecologist, He performed the first successful uterus transplant in 2012 and the first live birth from a transplant recipient was in 2014. So who typically are candidates for this type of transplant? Well, the trial is focusing on those experiencing something called absolute uterine factor infertility, which is basically a fancy medical term for infertility caused by either absence or lack of function in the uterus. And I think it's really interesting because when you think of all the fertility treatments that have become more popularized in recent years, things like IVF, for example, there are solutions for infertility caused by issues with ovaries or sperm, but there aren't a lot of options available for those who don't actually have a uterus. And so we're talking about this today because of Australia's first uterus transplant. Is that right? Exactly. And so I had a chat to 
the person who is likely to be the first in this clinical trial to receive a uterus via transplant. And incredibly, it is going to be her mother's. My name is Kirsty Bryant. I am a mother to one 18-month-old daughter. Can you just explain why you've put your hand up to be a candidate in this trial? Mm-hmm. So I unfortunately had to have a hysterectomy after the birth of my first daughter. So uh, unfortunately, I can't carry a- another child. So um, I, in my researching in finding out about our options for having another child, I came across the, the clinical trial happening at the Royal Women's Hospital and I shot off a few emails and I rang my mum and I said, hey mum, hypothetically, if you could have a hysterectomy and I could receive your uterus and go on to, you know, carry a child, how, how would you feel? And she was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. No worries. <laughs> so yes, I will grow my child in the same uterus that I was grown in. So yeah, it's very incredible. It's super exciting. It's almost unbelievable that this is where we're we're going with women's reproductive options. Like it's, yeah, it's so exciting. And so you've just said your donor is going to be your mum. Can you just help me get my head around what that actually means in practice? Sure. So um, my mum and I um, will obviously have to undergo um, some scans and some tests Um, I have already done two rounds of IVF treatment. So we have collected eggs and with my husband's sperm, we've created embryos and they are on ice at the Royal Women's Hospital. So going forward, um, we have a couple more investigations to go, but fingers and toes crossed early next year, my mom and I simultaneously would be undergoing surgery at the same time. My mum would be having a hysterectomy and it's a larger surgery than just a regular hysterectomy because uh, they will be removing the blood vessels around the uterus. And then when that's done, they will be transplanting her uterus into my body previous to where my my uterus was so yeah it's a it's a big surgery but there's a great team behind it and I'm yeah I'm incredibly excited and confident going ahead and were there other options available to you this is obviously the first of its kind it's really quite amazing science but were there other options available before this There are options for women who have had hysterectomies or who have been born without a uterus or have had to have surgery because of cancer or things to remove their uterus. So we do have surrogacy, uh, obviously fostering and adopting, but because I am so young, well, in the, How old are in, you? If I don't, if you don't mind me asking. In the fertility world, I am considered young. Mm. I'm 29. Mm. So, um, and my mum being quite young, fit, and healthy as well, we are really the ideal candidates for this type of uh, clinical trial. I did a lot of research with the clinical trial, and I'm just 
incredibly excited. Um, Professor Jason Abbott, Dr. Rebecca Deans and Dr. Yana Pittman are incredible and they're incredibly passionate about women and women's fertility and it's just such an amazing team and yeah I I just can't wait. So you said that the conversation with your mum was a fairly quick one. Have there been further conversations along the way about what this means for both of you? Yeah um, after I had my 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 daughter I think there was a little bit of a grieving period for everyone. Mm. Um, My brother actually had testicular cancer in 2017 and once he had his chemotherapy and he had his treatment, he was actually not able to have any more children. So I think for my parents to have two fairly young children that are unable to have more children, I think... That was sort of a lot to get their head around. We're a very close-knit family, so I think when I came across the clinical trial and broached the subject with my mum, there wasn't too much to discuss. We sort of all just looked at each other in agreement. We were like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. (laughs) Um, One thing I didn't say was that if the uterus transplant from my mum doesn't take... I will actually be one of the first women with the option of having the deceased donor's uh, um, uterus. So um, I could potentially, because the clinical trials got the ethic approval for five years, if for some reason the original, like my mum's uterus doesn't take, I will have the option down the track to have a second try at it. It's just... Science is incredible. I just can't get my head around it. (laughs) I mean, in hospital, I was told multiple times that, you know, if the type of postpartum hemorrhage that I had, if I had had that 10 years ago, I wouldn't be here. You know, women typically died having the type of postpartum hemorrhage that I had. So um, even in the last 10 years, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's not going to be for everyone. Not everyone is going to want to have... um, you know, to, to have this option. But I think that's what it's about. It's giving people choice. You know, I didn't have the choice in the moment to uh, consent to having my uterus removed. I mean, it was a life-saving surgery, but, you know, I think the more options we, us as women have um, around our own fertility, we're, yeah, it's just incredible. We're so, I'm so lucky to be living in 2022 and Fingers and toes crossed for a really positive um, outcome for 2023. It's so exciting. It's the most amazing story. And I, yeah, I'm just so excited for you to have this option available to you. So best of luck with everything. We'll be following closely. No worries, Zara. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on The Daily Oz. If you've learned something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a TDA episode waiting for you every weekday morning. We'll be back again next week, but until then, have a great weekend.